We are so thrilled to have Sheriff Thomas Hodgson from Massachusetts with us today. He is a, uh, he's just a really positive, outspoken uh, leader in law enforcement. So Sheriff, I'm gonna jump right into it. Um, you are a big believer in something that's near and dear to my heart, and that is uh, the security of our borders, most especially our southern borders. And a lot of people say, well, what's the big deal? You're in Massachusetts, right? Yes. How, how does that affect Massachusetts? How does that affect a anyone other than the southern border states? Well, Massachusetts um, has had uh, the largest uh, influx of illegal immigrants than any other state in the United States, if, if you can believe that. Uh, and we're 2,300 miles from the border. So when you, when you look at that, you, you begin to understand that uh, these individuals, in fact, I was asked before Congress when I was testifying, well, Sheriff, you know, the safest communities, they named this one member of Congress named three communities right at the border. I said, well, that shouldn't be surprising to you, Congressman. Why would anybody want to stay right at the border where they just crossed illegally? They're, gonna, they're integrating into my communities and communities across the nation as far away from the border as they can so they don't get caught. And they want to meld into it, and particularly in these areas where they have sanctuaries and so forth. But by allowing this sort of open border idea, what's happening is we're seeing MS-13 members flooding into our communities. Maryland's been inundated with MS-13, New York, serious violent crimes. The drug flows coming into this country are out of control. And, um, and so it has everything to do with whether or not we can keep our communities safe. And that's why the border security is critical to us here in, in the United States. I'm so glad to hear you say that because now we're in a, you know, Americans tend to have a very uh, short attention span when it comes to uh, political issues, to law and order issues. And we've kind of um, fallen, uh, the, the border issue has kind of fallen to the wayside. And, and yet, as you bring up, illegal drugs coming over our southern border, as well as criminal illegal aliens, that absolutely affects our ability to keep our people safe, doesn't it? Well, it does. And, and think about this. I mean, how many moms and dads uh, have gone in to try to wake their, their young adult child up uh, for work or, what, or school or what have you, and the child's not waking up because they died of an overdose. I mean, this is happening all over the country. Um, and and uh, so, so, yeah, this, is, this cuts at the heart of the most fundamental responsibility we have in government, and that's to keep our community safe. Why would anyone, you know, particularly in government, suggest that people should just walk in over the border knowing that they're violating the federal law to get here, and, and, and butting in line in front of people who've been waiting for years who are respecting the laws of the United States and waiting their turn. It's outrageous. It, it, it's, you know, senior citizens. It's not just about crime. You have senior citizens who've, who've raised their families, supported their churches, their civic organizations, uh, done all the right things. And then in their senior years, maybe one of the spouses passes away and they need public housing for elderly. They can't get the public housing. They're told, look, you qualify. But unfortunately, we don't have any availability because 20 to 30 percent of the people living in that public housing are people who are here illegally and have contributed very little to our society. Absolutely. It, it really does affect all aspects of society. And, it, and it's become politically contentious. Nobody knows that more than you. Um, you know, we're in a, an atmosphere right now where we're very close to a, a, probably one of the most important elections of I know my lifetime. And, um, 
you are an unabashed supporter of President Trump. And President Trump is the most law enforcement friendly president we've ever had, I believe, in this country. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I've been with the president on a number of occasions in meetings, and he's been he's been steadfast and outspoken about his support of law enforcement. And frankly, when he ex did his acceptance speech back in 2016, he said at that time, when I enter the White House on day one, I'm going to rein reinstate the rule of law. And he kept like that, so many of his promises, he's kept that one. And, and, and he's been very supportive of us in law enforcement. And, and rightfully so, because the president has brought a business model to, to government that we haven't seen. And, and so when I, you know, I, look, I'm a, I'm, the, I'm a Republican in the biggest Democrat enclave in Massachusetts. Uh, and I've been here for 24 years as a sheriff. And I will tell you, I've had the experience of watching how uh, people have used government, people who are elected, to push everything through their political filter. And whatever's left over that comes out the other side is what the people that they promised to serve get, which is leftovers, if that. And this president came in and said, no, I'm not playing politics. I want to I want to know what are the issues. And he's brought sheriffs, chiefs of police, other members of law enforcement to the White House for meetings on a number of occasions. And he asked the hard questions because what he wants to do, and this is the great thing about this president, he wants to make sure when he makes decisions and policies that they're not just going to be sort of superficial things that sound good, that really, you know, make people feel okay, but don't really accomplish anything. He wants to make sure that when he creates that policy, it is absolutely going to benefit the average person in the neighborhoods across this nation. And that's why he brings in people so that he can, you know, create a, a really sound solution to the real problem. And I want to just go back to one thing, if I can, Betsy, absolutely. and that had to do with the, the border issue about the crime coming in. You know, a lot of people don't know this, but mothers, in, in these countries uh, south of the border uh, are handing off their teenage daughters to coyotes from the drug cartels. They're paying them five to seven grand to get their, their daughter or daughters into the country illegally. But before they hand them off, they're giving their daughter birth control pills because they know their daughter is going to get raped at least once. I want you to follow the trail of a couple of these young ladies who get raped along the way, get to the U.S., they're, they're quickly pushed off to some community, New Bedford, Massachusetts, or somewhere out in Illinois or wherever, and, and then they're put in foster care homes. They go to school, have no family support to deal with what trauma they went through. They don't speak the language and may never learn it because they don't have a rudimentary understanding of their own. They think that the kids in the school are going to be their surrogate family and they'll have friends that will support them, but in, that instead they end up being bullied and made fun of. They leave, leave school and then they go back to the foster home. And when they step out on the street, guess who the weakest link is in the neighborhood? And here we go again. How is that fair to that child to encourage them to come here or encourage their families to send their kids here? That is, I, I can't think of anything that is more, more reckless and, and insensitive to even those kids who are coming here and think about the problems and the increased crime that are happening around just the victimization of those kids, never mind the drugs and everything else. This is a serious problem. And it's one that is, is impacting our communities across this nation. And you're absolutely right. And that, that's one of our frustrations here. I'm in Arizona here on the Southern border is 
you know, people want to talk about kids in cages and things like that. The reality is that the human trafficking and the molestation of young girls is extraordinary. And, and people on the left want to talk about protecting women and women's rights, but they don't want to talk about these issues. And it's incredibly yeah. frustrating to law enforcement. And, and here we are in an atmosphere in American law enforcement where every single day you wake up and American police officers somewhere are being vilified for a shooting or uh, some other kind of action. And yet cops are going out there every single day and trying to take care of our victims, arrest, arrest the predators. It's incredibly frustrating. And yet here you are in the middle of a Democrat stronghold and you seem to have a lot of citizen uh, uh, citizen support, Sheriff. How do you do that? Well, it's very simple. It's what you just spoke about, uh, Betsy. You were a sergeant. You understand this. Look, people, I don't care what your party affiliation is. People want to be safe and they want their family safe. They want their neighborhood safe. And, they, and, and by and large, most people will stand behind law enforcement. Unfortunately, we're in a, in a society today that is you know, a bullying society that if you dare to stand up for what's right, these activist groups and these, these Antifa people and all of them will try to threaten you, demonize you, whatever they can do to try to silence you so they can advance this, this um, anarchy in our communities. And we can't stand down on that. And we need the public to stand with us. And that's why I, I tell the sheriffs in this nation, uh, in fact, I'm doing something right now to mobilize the sheriffs across the nation uh, with a, a, a pledge that I'm asking them all to sign on to that basically says, look, we made a promise and we took an oath to protect the citizens of our communities. We are looked upon as, because we're elected as the standard bearers of public safety for them. And if we stand down while people are creating, burning buildings, destroying our, our constituents' businesses, attacking them, you know, uh, killing them, and we do nothing, there's only one question left for the people of this nation. And that is this, why do we need America's sheriffs? If we aren't gonna act, if law enforcement's not gonna act and uphold the rule of law and allow these politicians to undermine our ability to do our obligation and our most fundamental responsibilities and our oath, then we basically don't belong where we are. And the public will never have the security and the safety that they want. And so as a community, the public are so important for us to make sure that we, we, we reinforced in our, our mission and our efforts and that we, we get the feeling, because cops can get pretty frustrated too, right? If the public is silent yeah. and you're out there and all you're hearing about is media demonizing you for doing the right things, it makes you hesitate. And then you have legislatures who are trying to, to lower the indemnity and indemnification so that you don't have the, the insurance or coverages. And cops are saying, why would I want to have to make a split second decision about whether I'm going to live or die and then have people just sit there for days and months and try to synthesize and dissect it to a point where I may lose my home because I, I, I reacted followed all the professional rules, but some people just happened to think it was over the top when in fact it really wasn't based on police standards and our ability to stay alive and go home to our families. Well, and it, when you talk about police standards, one of the things that's, that's happening now, as you know, is that 
there are legislators and city council members and and even some quote unquote police leaders who are saying, well, we need to change the way we're doing business. And yeah. that's, you know, that's difficult for our, our deputies and our officers out there who, again, <clears throat> they want to go home to their families. They, they, you know, cops are portrayed almost as machines these days. And, and, you know, you have these grainy cell phone videos and bouncy body cam videos and everyone on the planet gets to make a, you know, a, a determination about why we did what we did. And how are we going to even get people to be police officers and deputy sheriffs in this current atmosphere? Are you seeing any recruiting issues? Well, yeah, we are. I mean, we, we have a, a difficult challenge to try to get people to get into the business, obviously, and particularly with all this going on. But when we're, the way we're going to turn this uh, back to where it should be is when we start putting the onus where it belongs, where these elected officials start holding families and people accountable that are letting their kids run out in the street and get involved in gangs. And then, and then instead of them sort of suggesting somehow you have to forgive them and we blame the people who are trying to keep peace in our communities, we have to turn it around the other way and hold people accountable. You're, you're, they're, they're making it as though the people who are trying to, to follow rules, if you had if you if you have children at home and your child doesn't like something you said and they start just going around and taking a bat and beating your china to pieces and lighting fires in your house are you just going to say well you know what they got a bad attitude they, you know they're upset about this and maybe we shouldn't have done that no you're you're that's not only a disservice to the future for that child because they're going to go out and do that in society but but that's also you know wrong because you're basically telling them it's okay to do that and it's not, and they won't survive in a, in a society where you have to have rules, because if we don't have the rules, then we don't have the rights, right? Because rules protect us. The, the laws of this nation are the underpinnings of our ability to live free, for our ability to exercise our individual rights. If we don't have the laws, we start breaking that down and, the, and, and start demonizing the enforcers of those laws, what's left except anarchy? And then it's everybody for themselves and good luck. Um, so, you know, we've even had, as you know, uh, this suggestion that they're going to defund police departments yeah. instead of defending <laughs> police departments. And, and then saying that you know, we don't, we're going to shut down the dispatch center or we're going to have people who are social workers stopping doing vehicle stops instead of police. I mean, how insane is that? And the reason that these, these wacky ideas come up and undermine law enforcement's ability is because these people who claim they're leaders, who will never be able to claim, claim the mantle of leadership, they basically play to, to people to get votes. And, and what they do is they don't bother getting involved and drilling down. How about, ride, how about all of these people are making all these shit? Why don't you ride for three days with a police officer on a midnight shift? Ride with them. And then come back and tell us that the police officers are the bad guys, right? They won't do that because they don't have an interest. They want to work on the fringes and play to people on issues instead of, you know, correcting problems like our president does, right? They're, they're running political agendas to satisfy their own political challenges. And the president of the United States is, is making decisions and running a government based on solving the problems for the people in spite of 
the people who are playing politics. Washington, uh, look, it's broken. The Congress is broken. They've turned the U.S. Capitol into a political playground on both sides of the aisle. And people are on the outside of the Capitol in neighborhoods in Washington, D.C. and across this nation with their hands up going, I need some help over here. And nobody hears them because they're busy sitting on the floor like petulant little children protesting over Ferguson and all these other nonsense things instead of sitting in their desks and doing the job to correct the problem. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's why I think it's so important that, that people continue the <clears throat> back the blue rallies and continue to show support for American law enforcement. Um, but yet we see, and, and I want people to understand, there's a big difference between a sheriff and a police chief. A sheriff is elected by the people. A police chief is appointed by a, 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 most likely a city government. And we're, we, quite frankly, Sheriff, we're seeing a lot of weak leadership in some of the urban areas when it comes to police chiefs because they are frankly hamstrung by far left city councils and, and they're not, you know, this is how we end up with the riots with Portland and, and Seattle and Chicago. And, and um, it, as a sheriff, do you work with your police chiefs to, to try and stem some of that? Well, we do. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer in collaboratives. I started a collaborative with all my chiefs when I first took over as sheriff and we would meet every month and uh, talk about how could we support them, share resources. We train a lot of the canine uh, for our 20 cities and towns that have them. Um, and, uh, and, and we work in partnership on, I have a gang member officer that rides with the gang team every day that he reports to that police department, New Bedford Police, and rides with them. He's got great intelligence from inside here. He's been working with these people inside. We know the players. But, but importantly, you, you, you raise an interesting uh, thing that I think people need to understand. And that is police chiefs are appointed by mayors. And, and so if they have family and they have a career, they, you know, if they dare to step outside the, the, the politics or the political agenda of that one particular mayor that may have hired them, they potentially lose their job and have no, no means of, you know, of, of supporting their families. So they're, they're, they're stuck with this sort of dilemma. And uh, it's not that they don't want to do their jobs. It's, it's, they're put in a, in, a, in a sort of crosshairs of do I step out and do what I really believe is right and say what I think is right, even if it's contradictory to the mayor and take the chance of losing my job? Or do I just try to work on the fringes and maybe not give it my whole 150%? That's, a, that's an awful place for them to have to be. But sheriffs, we answer to the people. And we have an obligation to those people in our communities. And, and as far as I'm concerned, you take an oath to uphold the law, there's no, there's no room for marginalizing it. You do what you have to do. I don't care about the politics. I don't care. And that's why it goes back to the question you asked, how do I do it? How do I, as a Republican and the biggest Democrat enclave in Massachusetts, continue as a sheriff for 24 years? And it's exactly that. People want to be safe. They want you to speak up for them. They may not be able to go out there and speak out against the criminals, but if you're a sheriff, I don't care what your party affiliation is, that isn't what it's about. It's about your mission, and you owe it to stay focused on that mission and to do what's right. And I really attribute my ability and the privilege to serve this long uh, based on that. I, I, I don't play the politics. I've had Congress people come after me 
but all on political things. And, um, and I'm not interested in that. I'm not going to play the game. I'm going I'm to do what's right, and I'm going to protect the people in my community. And that's why right now, as you said, this is the most important election in our lifetime because this will dictate the future for our children, our grandchildren, and their children's children. And if we stand down, all of us, and it's not just law enforcement, but all of us in the community, and we stand down and allow this to continue, the lawlessness and all of these things, our children and our grandchildren, when they're asked about their father, their grandfather, their grandmother, they're going to say, when they're asked, you know, well, my, my, my father, my grandfather, grandmother, when they had a chance to, to stop this spiraling down of our nation and pass on to us an even better opportunity to be more prosperous and safer and all of that, they did nothing. And I don't think any one of us want that said of us by our children or our grandchildren. We owe it to them. Just like our parents did for us, we owe it to them to pass on a stronger, better America that's safer and uh, provides them greater opportunity. And so I, I really, um, I see law enforcement really as the leaders in being able to accomplish that and, and being sort of the blocking bats for the public to get behind us and run down the field toward that goal. You are absolutely correct because, and we talk about this in our trainings all the time, people who, are, who don't feel safe are not free. And it's our responsibility, law enforcement's responsibility to help those people feel safe so that they can enjoy the freedoms that this nation provides to us. And it's also our jobs to, to help all of our jobs as Americans to help protect that freedom. Sheriff Hudson, I, I just add one thing, yes, one thing to that, Betsy, which I think is really important. Um, when we're talking about this, uh, you know, we've talked early on about drugs pouring in over the border into the country. But what I always encourage um, all of us to do is not to speak in general terms uh, because it's too big for people to grasp. Instead of saying drugs pouring in over the border, no, drugs pouring into our neighborhoods. Because when you say neighborhoods, the average person begins to think, what was the last drug overdose in my neighborhood? What was the last drug raid? What was the last drug this, drug that? Because it brings it home. And the more we can bring it home to people, the more they're going to be, you know, motivated behind what law enforcement's doing because it does touch them in their neighborhoods, on their front lawns. And that's really what we got to keep doing. Thank you very much. And if you would like more information about the National Police Association, visit us at nationalpolice.org.